Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, welcome to the Depray Club podcast, a community of like-minded young adults who are all grieving a similar loss. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with inspirational people from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. In this podcast, our guests will tell their own grief story, discussing how their losses have impacted their lives and the past they have found themselves on. We laugh, we cry, but together we've come to realise that we are far from alone in our own grief journeys. I remember like a day or two after he died, I went to like a karaoke night at a bar with some friends and I had a nice time for half of it. And then halfway through, I was thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Like, why, <laughs> why am I here? You know, why aren't I with my dad just died? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And I remember saying that to my friend. I'm like, you know, and the, my friend was just finished belting out some David Bowie. And I thought, why, <laughs> why are we doing this? Why am I here? Um, but you know, the truth is you do need to treat yourself understand that you need to cool off I guess after Mm -hmm. uh, a period of such intense pressure and I think especially with being a caregiver you are just required to be firing on all cylinders at all times you have no time to process anything. Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast and this season's final ever guest episode. So this week I had the pleasure of interviewing Daniel Daniel has lived a life full of travel. Originally from Canada, he's lived in Germany, Vietnam and Hong Kong over the past 10 years. However, a lot of his travel and his desire to start his career and live a life similar to his friends was impacted by his dad's diagnosis of stage 4 colon cancer when he was 20, whilst he was living temporarily in Germany. From here, Daniel travelled back to Canada to continue his education and eventually end up being his dad's caregiver a few years later before he passed. In this episode, Daniel talks about the impact being physically distant from his dad had when he was sick, balancing his career goals with caregiving, the support that he found in being in a relationship with somebody who has experienced loss and feeling like there's an expiry date on his grief and how often he should talk about it. Daniel talked about his dad and his own grief journey beautifully and gave some really invaluable insights into how grief isn't linear at all and the struggles of balancing everything you want to do with life with spending invaluable time with family, which is something I think all of us struggle with time to time as well. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I will be back next week for this season's final show to share some really exciting news with all of you and to take you on a journey through just the amazing things that we've learned together over the past 90 episodes, because it's a lot to unpack and I've got a lot of work to do to get this out for you guys next week. So enjoy the episode. Make sure you tune in next week and I will talk to you all very soon. Have a lovely week. 
first of all, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on the Dead Parent podcast today. I really appreciate your time and the fact that you're willing to open up and tell your story and help other people from your own journey as well. Thanks, Catherine. Really happy to be here. If you wouldn't mind, just as a starting point, just introducing people to who you are, where you're from, just so you can get a bit of information about your own background. Sure. So my name is Daniel. I am 29. I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, but I've been living in Hong Kong for the last four years. I, I lost uh, I lost my dad in October 2016. So that's who I'm here to talk yeah. about today. Yeah, that's your reason for being in the club that none of us wanted to be a part in so damn early. <laughs> that's it. That's um, okay, so obviously you just mentioned your dad, so Give us an kind of you know an overview of your own grief story and why you've come here to talk about it on the podcast. Sure. So, I mean, I, I reached out to you back in October of last year. That was the four-year anniversary of mm. uh, my dad's passing. So, back in about 2011, um, I was doing an exchange program in Germany. Um, you know, I had just gone overseas. I was incredibly excited to be away from Canada and just doing my own thing. And I'd been there for about a month. And I, I remember my aunt, my dad's my dad's sister called me and said, look, you know, your dad has had some stomach problems. He's having emergency surgery. And that was a pretty shocking thing mm-hmm. to hear, especially as you're trying to, uh, you know, adjust to a new country and entirely new education mm-hmm. system and all that. How, how old were you at this point? Like, uh, was it college or uni or... Yeah, university. So I was 20 yeah. years old. I was in my yeah. third year of university. Oh, okay. And yeah, so in any case, you know, I remember trying to go to sleep. And of course, you can't really sleep with mm-hmm. that knowledge uh, <laughs> kicking around yeah. in your head. And yeah, I remember the next day, my, my aunt called back and she said, look, uh, your dad's had emergency surgery to remove a tumor in his colon. Um, it's stage four colon cancer. Oh. And yeah, it, it was... Um, I don't think the gra- gravity of it had hit me. Um, yeah. You know, stage four didn't really mean anything to me at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they say stage four rather than like, oh, yeah. This person's going to die. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. Yeah. Just, just completely ridiculous. And so many yeah. different thoughts, you know, kicking around in my head. And, um, and he was immediately put onto chemotherapy and radiation. And I immediately made plans to leave Germany and come back. And uh, so I came back a few months later. And I was going to uni a few hours away from Toronto at this point and, you know, talking to him as much as possible and coming back as much as I could. But the reality is there were still education obligations. So did you literally have to completely uplift your life that you'd made in Germany and the friends that you'd made and just completely switch your education back to Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was lucky in the sense that I was only there on a, an exchange program, so I'd only been there for about a month, um, so it wasn't too oh, difficult. Okay. But, you know, I would, I'd been, um, you know, just to give some context, my, my dad was born in Germany, and I had mm. been looking forward to, you know, going there and spending time kind of in a place yeah. where I had relatives and exploring that, you know, part of my family, and uh, that all went out yeah. the window immediately. Um, and, and so that was okay, um, I guess, in the long run. But you know, I, when I moved back to Canada, I, I was really dividing my time between this the city where I was doing uni and uh, visiting mm. my dad in Toronto. And um, but then, kind of the most remarkable thing happened in that his cancer started to go into remission, and I, I didn't wow. realize that at the time. But stage four colon cancer carries, you know, I learned later on. I think it was like a five percent 
life expectancy within a year or something, you know, completely wow. ridiculous like that. Um, and I remember thinking at the time, oh, this is a miracle. This is incredible. But on the other hand, thinking, uh, of, of course, this is going to happen, right? It's not my dad's time to die. He's only in his 50s, you know, like the reality of that hadn't quite set in. And mm. um, so, you know, I, I just thought, of course, that's the way it's supposed to go. His, he's going through his <laughs> cancer. It's all fine. Um, so then just moving on, you know, I, I have this really happy memory of um, him coming to my university graduation in 2013. And oh, amazing. Um, yeah, my, my parents divorced when I was quite young, but I have this really lovely memory of them sitting there together, which I was terrified of. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, because it was, you know, not an amicable divorce. Divorce, mm. And I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be a nightmare. But no, it was it was beautiful, and you know I remember oh, we went out for coffee afterwards too, and I thought, what what is this? This is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that that was that was a really lovely memory, and uh, you know my dad's health was decent after that, and at that point I, I you know I was kind of rudderless in my life, you know like most recent grads, and I thought, mm. hey, I'm going to go next? travel for <laughs> yeah exactly what what next? Um, so I I moved to Asia, I moved to Vietnam for an internship, and then over to Singapore for a master's program. Wow. And, but, you know, and I'm sure anybody who has, uh, you know, lost a parent or somebody they love and has worked, you know, away from home can, can understand it's, there's always this thing hanging over your head. And, you know, mm-hmm. even though my dad's cancer had been in remission at the point, uh, I was still thinking like, okay, what if it comes back? What if it comes mm-hmm. back? Um, and sure enough, around Christmas of 2014, when I was in Singapore, the first year I decided not to spend the holidays with my immediate family, oh. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go to Thailand, I'll do, you know, I'll travel. Um, yeah. I, I remember my dad called me and said, look, it's, it's come back, um, you know, just facing the same decisions I, I did in Germany. Do I jettison everything that I built up in Singapore and should I bail on my master's program? Um, mm-hmm. And of course, he, you know, he, I remember him yelling at me over the phone, like, no, don't be stupid. Stay there, finish things up. You know, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. I stayed there for another few months until the program was done. Um, and uh, <laughs> I remember I had a, a job offer in the UK, actually, and a job offer in oh, wow. Singapore. And I did not, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I did not study anything that leads to immediate job prospects. So I was ecstatic. But, at, you know, at the same time, I thought, I, this isn't something I can do you know I have yeah, to back. yeah it's hard especially at that age when you've you've literally got the world at your feet and it's an also an age when everybody around you is doing what they want everybody around you is so carefree absolutely and I yeah I really feel where you must have been coming from with all of this because like when I when I was at university and um, that was when my mum was diagnosed and I had to spend a lot of time going back and forth from uni home. I felt guilty about being there. I feel a lot right now, I feel guilty about all the nights that I spent at partying when I knew she was sick. And then when she when she was going to die, I had to tell her that I was postponing my final year at uni and she was so disappointed, like so disappointed. Like there was nothing else that I could do because I couldn't be at uni when my mum was... <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. It was like the last month of her life and I was like if I if I postpone this final year now at the beginning of the year then that will mean that I won't be paying anything so it'll be fine um that's, but that's it's, so and like everybody around you is just living a normal life and they can do whatever they want and I do find that when you're in that situation you 
you have to grow up so quickly, don't you? And it's not the kind of decisions that you want to be making at such a young age. Like, yeah. do I pursue my future or do I help my family? That's that's exactly it. And um, mm. like I said, I didn't study anything that hadn't immediately. <laughs> I didn't have yeah. any any wonderful career prospects. You know, what did, so, what did you study? If you don't want me asking. Uh, international relations. Um, oh wow! So, okay. And uh, you know, I mean, I thought it was interesting, but mm. it's it's not it's not like studying engineering or computer science or something mm-hmm, yeah right? yeah no that's that's very very familiar and balancing that that guilt you know mm. understanding that you need to unwind a little bit and uh, you know blow off some steam whether that's seeing yeah. friends or you know going on a trip or something and yeah. with the reality of your parent being sick and um, and yeah <laughs> you know that's so familiar that, that your parent telling you like you know stopping Stop yeah. worrying about me. Just go do your own thing. I'm like, well, that's kind of hard. <laughs> you know, you're you're battling so cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a weird situation. But I, at, at that point, I, I moved home. Um, you know, without really anything lined up, and I moved into more of a caregiver role at this point. So my dad's family is is very small, as I said. You know, my parents split up. It's just my younger brother and I, and my dad's sister, my aunt, and her husband, my uncle. And um, so between my aunt and my uncle and I, we took turns, you know, taking my dad to chemotherapy appointments and mm. just really, you know, I, I've, I, you know, just having listened to other, um, other of your guests, you know, it's very familiar experience, right? Where everything's just a blur at that point. Yeah. Just the endless doctor visits and yeah. you know, it, it, these slight changes in the battle where it's like, you know, do we move from uh, trying to beat this to moving towards, um, you know, managing so, this, uh, yeah, making yeah. things comfortable and just, um, yeah, it's really tough. And uh, around this time, I, I uh, started, you know, dating uh, my, my partner and, uh, you know, Jesus. The, but that's the, intense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me about it. She, <laughs> she went through so much crap <laughs> with me. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I mentioned it to you over Instagram, but she, mm. uh, she, she lost one of her parents when she was quite young as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think she really understood where I was coming from, but that's, that's so much pressure to dump on somebody in mm. any relationship. Sure. Never mind, <laughs> never mind a new relationship. Yeah. You're trying to navigate all of that. I remember when the boyfriend that I was with at the time when my mom died, um, I remember when we just started dating probably, like less than a year, we up 10 months before she'd actually died but obviously at this point I knew my mum was terminal and stuff and I remember it was like um we hadn't known each other very long we were in bed one night and out of the blue I just said um by the way my mum's gonna die soon <laughs> like that's like that's like my reality right now and he was just like what, <laughs> what was his reaction was like, to that? I think it's hard to really to remember it now but I think he was just like shocked and you know it's not something that you kind of expect to hear is it um but you know god bless them like it's a lot it's a lot to go through isn't it with somebody yeah i, I was listening to uh your, your last episode i think a couple days ago and i remember your guest referred to it as a social grenade and yes, I, I, thought, brilliant. I, I thought that was just so apt and i, I told that to my girlfriend yeah. as well i was like and it just resonated immediately i was like mm. exactly what it is and, you know, whether that's somebody you're dating or whether that's just your friends or whoever else, you know, you say that to it, it makes them, you, you can tell it makes them feel awkward immediately. And then they're scrambling yeah. to 
make things less <laughs> awkward. It's like, no, well, you know, I, I don't lean want you into, to do Lean into the awkwardness, right? Yeah, that's just exactly <laughs> it. Lean into the shit situation that I'm in. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I remember you know, trying to juggle new relationship and all that. But, mm. um, but yeah, but I just, my dad's health continued to decline. And um, I remember um, there were, I, Christ, I can't even remember at what point it was. But, um, you know, I remember him telling me, that he was going to start stop taking chemotherapy or the way he framed it was, you know, I'm going to take a break from it. And mm. I think even at the time I, I knew what that meant and I saw the toll yeah. it was taking on him. Um, but yeah, just, you know, th- things obviously started to decline uh, from there. Um, and at this point I, I did get a job in, in Toronto when I was working. Um, it was this shift based job where I had to work overnight shifts for like two weeks and then, days every two oh, wow. weeks yeah and um I, I remember i was starting a night shift and i have this really distinct memory because it was the first debate between donald trump and hillary clinton during that oh, oh, God. and i was so excited to watch it i thought oh this is you know it's gonna be donald trump just looking like an idiot and whatever These were bad times <laughs> oh yeah 2016 was a really oh. shit year <laughs> yeah 100 yeah. percent yeah, even you know when people were talking about last year, I was like, yeah, 2020 really did suck, but 2016 really, <laughs> really sucked for me. Pinnacle so. of shitness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I remember he called me and just said, "Look, I, I you know, I can't get up. I, I'm having like things that just feel so much worse." And I remember one of the doctors had previously mentioned that my dad's liver was when it it would start to fail at some point, like his colon cancer had metastasized and. Um, when that, I can't even remember the symptoms at this point, but I remember the doctor mentioning that, you know, what my dad had been describing to me over the phone was basically lining up with what the doctor had told us previously would be in line with liver failure. And I I just knew it, that it was starting to happen at that point. And I left work and yeah, within, you know, a month my dad had passed and it was just spending all my time there and very, things are very blurred at that point. But my dad was, um, generally, I think, kind of a very introverted guy um, and kind of a cynical guy. Um, and he was a writer, uh, but he never really shared much about his thoughts about mortality, about death. Um, um, yeah, he never really shared much, he, even when, you know, we had, were going to chemo th- treatments and, you know, he, he just didn't share much. And I remember after he died, my brother and I were cleaning up his his place and we found just boxes and boxes of um, personal writing of his. And I was, you know, shocked because it was just writing like journal entries and all these different things from over the years. It must have been like 20 years worth of writing. Mm. And all of a sudden it was like having insight into his, into his mind, even though he was gone. And it was, I don't know, the way I've described it is like this kind of silver lining or this epilogue to his life because all of a sudden I was finding you know things I felt weird about reading obviously I mean it's not it feels bizarre to be reading exploring just very personal writing but you know at the same time finding a journal entry from the day that I was born and the day my brother was born and it was you know just how proud he was about I guess the fact that I existed, which you know, not much to be proud of. I just <laughs> just showed up, but sure, you know, it was. <laughs> uh, but but that was really beautiful, and 
even though I had this very, you know, stoic, introverted father, it was suddenly like, yeah, gaining access to his to parts of his mind. And, wow, that's amazing. Uh, I, I think that had really, really helped me uh, process some of the loss. And mm. um, yeah, so I don't know. We had a, a similar experience with my mom, kind of. She, she didn't talk about dying or her cancer or anything really at all um even when she was putting on a syringe driver she literally said to me I'm just gonna have a bit of a rest and then I'll be okay for, I'll, be, so I'll be okay for Christmas and I knew that wasn't true and it hurts that I never got to talk to her about you know people always envisage like when you know someone's gonna die you're gonna have those momentous conversations and they're gonna tell you how proud they are of you and that you're going to be okay but that's not always the reality sometimes the person that's dying isn't ready to die and they can't have that conversation and I do feel like that was kind of robbed of me a little bit um but so we my mum did have like a little kind of diary she didn't write in it a lot at all um some of it was actually really heartbreaking like when she was actually kind of went into kind of more detail about how she was feeling and stuff but there was like a little note in there that was like Catherine came home with some flowers for me today it was lovely and it was like little things like that and you know it's um it's so unique having an insight into somebody's headspace after they're gone it's kind of opening a chest of like a big locked chest that you shouldn't really be in but you can't but you can't help but dig around even more um yeah it's 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 a crazy crazy thing to find something like that after somebody's gone but you know I I kind of I I write in a lot of diaries and stuff and I always think god if I died somebody would have an absolute field day game (laughs) I have the same thoughts I have the same thoughts yeah I, I journal a lot and some of it's like pretty I don't know you just kind of get everything out and you're you get everything out of your head, don't you? But if somebody read it, I think some days they're like, God, she was really messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Be so embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I felt too. Like, you know, just reading some of these, some of the things I thought, Oh Jesus, I shouldn't have read that. (laughs) And, but it also, in a way, I mean, it brings the person back to life in a way too. You know, maybe I'm embarrassed about reading something and then I'm like, well, you know, I, I guess I'm the, the keeper for this person's memory yeah, now. Yeah. Even, you know, whether warts and all, whether that's something terrible or not. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, what you were saying about not having those those moments towards the end of the person's life where they say, I'm, oh, I'm so proud of you. And then they just fade away. Mm. Right. I, maybe that goes back to not having these honest discussions about what death is like um, and the reality of what it's, you know, what it's like at the end, because movies and tv prepare you for yeah that moment where they're in the bed and they you know their eyes just slowly close yeah. and they oh, drift peaceful. off <laughs> yeah not stressful I, at all. <laughs> yeah the reality is it's it's not true i mean there's so many moments when you think are they gone mm. they're still here it's You're waiting for that next breath lot. oh my god yes yeah and that's a very visceral memory that yeah comes back. same <laughs> yeah waiting waiting for the breath jesus um and you know how long do you wait between each breath and you know not to get too morbid here but I mean it's something that that I think about um in the context of my dad's death yeah um but you know I mean even if I didn't get that opportunity to have that final conversation you know finding his writing and in in your case finding your mother's uh your your journal you know uh, it can fill in some of the gaps that you don't really get with the conversations 
Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, Did you ever experience um, people saying to you, oh, it must have been easier because you knew it was coming? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Did did you feel that way or God no, not not a chance. <laughs> no. You don't. You can't prepare for death, right? Like even when you know it's coming. Like say, if somebody said to some, somebody whose parents dies suddenly, if somebody said to them a month before, your parents going to die in a car crash on this day, it's it. You you still you still would not be prepared for that death, and just because it's so enormous, like that loss is just huge. It's, it's just such an alien concept, I think, especially with um, yeah, with with your parents, and mm. um, I think I alluded to it before, but you know, when my dad's cancer went into remission, I thought, yeah, of course, that's the way it's supposed to go. You know, there's no alternative, mm. and mm. that continued on even you know as I was watching my dad you know, my, my dad was always taller than me. He was like six feet tall and, you know, strong guy and watching him just get skinnier mm-hmm. and, you know, getting jaundice and every, like just very visible signs of being sick and yeah. being close to death. Um, you know, even at that point, it still was this far off alien concept. Mm. It's not like, it's not going to happen yeah. anytime soon. <laughs> my parents are going to Yeah, die. yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it, my, I remember my grandfather, so my dad's dad had, had died about a month before I went to Germany, before all of this started. So it's not like death was far away, right? This, this, it was something that had happened in my family fairly uh, soon before this, but it still seemed like something that happens to the grandparents, not something that happens to the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, mm-hmm. there's no way to prepare for it. And, you know, you can make all the preparations you want. You can, you know, I, I, but I don't know what's worse. You know, I don't know what's worse. Is it, having listened to some of your past episodes where, you know, you've had guests who've lost parents both to long-term illness and to something more sudden like an accident. I don't even know if it's possible to compare them. And it's not something that I feel. It's all just, it's just hugely shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's various shades of shit. (laughs) That's probably a good way of putting it. Definitely. Definitely. It's, um, it's mad, isn't it? Kind of looking back and, I feel now because like both of my parents actually lost 
a parent when they were young. So my mum lost her dad when she was 19. My dad lost his mum when he was 17, 18. And it's funny, like, I, I wish now that I'd asked them more about those losses and the effect that they had. And it's funny, like, I will make, now that I'm, when I grow up, I'll make a conscious effort to talk to my children about death and grief and to prepare them for these things because I think that's where the lack of education is and the lack of lack of knowledge is but my parents never spoke about it to me about how that impacted them and I think about my mum at 19 losing her dad and she just got married she had two kids at this point um and I'm like wow that must have been huge for you like you lost your dad but I never heard her talk about it and I think you know, they must have experienced, my, my dad's mum died of meningitis very suddenly, she got taken in an ambulance one day and that was it, but my dad never really speaks about it, and yeah, I just think it's, you know, we've all, we all have these experiences of grief, but there's just a lack of talking, so we just don't know what to expect. <laughs> Part of it's just that repressed trauma, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think that's something that I would want to do with my kids as well, is be able to talk about this fairly openly, and you know, I'm, I'm still with yeah. my partner who I was with at the time. And, uh, you know, we're obviously planning for a future together. And um, I think that's but having mm-hmm. both of us experience that, that's definitely something we would want to talk to, you know, future kids about. Um, but do you, do you find um, like comfort, for lack of a better word, fact in the fact that your partner has experienced a loss too? Like there's that underlying understanding there. Of yeah, those emotions. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and I, it's yeah, comfort. I mean, I, I completely understand what you mean by comfort, but I, I mean, I would hesitate to use the word as well because, you know, you, you don't want to take yeah. comfort in somebody <laughs> else's loss. Um, and you know, obviously, I've seen yeah. how deeply it affects her, but um, I don't know if I would have been able to have handled it the way I did without without her there. Mm. Um, she was, mm. you know, you don't deal with things like this. You don't deal with illness and with loss and with grief in obviously in a linear way. And I know this is something that, you know, you've talked about before on your podcast, but um, you know, there are plenty of times when just maybe I was in the worst headspace possible and she was, you know, left holding the bag in some certain, some situations. And I just felt so God awful. And, you know, I guess with the benefit of hindsight now, you know, we've talked about it and yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I guess to bring it back, there is a certain comfort in it, and um, mm. yeah, it's just that it's that, it's that understanding, isn't it? I think that you know, I know that it's lacked in my relationship because my boyfriend hasn't gone through it. He can't understand it. He can't grasp it. And I think that's where you know podcasts are useful, and just having some sort of friendship with anybody that's lost somebody is useful because you just want to know that you're not the only one that's going through it that's, like that's exactly right. and to know that there's a there's a future as well like obviously you know it happened to your partner but she's she's still here and she's living yeah. a happy life alongside what, what happened to her i think you know it's just knowing that there is kind of positivity yeah. <laughs> at the same time it's well, it's, it's very very it? true um and um I mean, I think that that's part of why I reached out to you as well, um, was, um, you know, kind of wanting this platform to talk about it, uh, because for such a long time, and in the four years it's been since my, my, my father passed away, I have talked to my partner about it quite a lot, um, but there is a certain, whether it's warranted or not, there's a certain level of 
guilt and always talking to the same people about it. You know, talking mm-hmm. to my brother and my aunt and my and my, my yeah. girlfriend about this. You know, they've obviously everyone's incredibly understanding about it, but I don't. I, I always feel guilty. I, I always feel like I don't always want to bring up the same topic to them. I don't want them to feel like they always have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 shoulder that, <laughs> that I'm leaning on here. On form. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even though they're saying it's it's fine, that's, you know, that's part of being part of a family or part of being in a relationship, there is still an underlying guilt even a few years on. And, um, yeah, I've really never talked about this, I think, with anybody else beyond this immediate circle. So, do you, yeah, have you not talked about it like with your friends or anything? Like, have you found that your loss has like changed your relationship with friends? Do you just, brush under the carpet when you yeah it's it's hard it's hard these days because you know maybe we can get into this in a bit but you know it does feel like there's this uh, expiry date on how long you're allowed to talk about your loss and Mm. um you know when when obviously when i first lost my dad my, my friends were all supportive in their own way but there's only so much you can talk to people who haven't experienced that uh about because you know you can tell that they're uncomfortable they don't know what to say and you know, how much does that mean at a certain point if someone's saying, I'm sorry for your loss? I mean, it, it, I, I obviously understand the care and that's coming from a good place, but there's just yeah. only so many of those condolences you can hear. Yeah. Yeah. I was really laughing at that clip, video clip that you sent me. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what's, it, what's the name of the show that it's from? It's this American show called Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, I think the, the, the sorry, what did he say? <laughs> the sorry window has closed. Sorry, window is closed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess just you know to can give some context in the clip, there's uh you know the main character Larry David. He's this really you know neurotic character who kind of uh, says the wrong things, but there's always kind of I think a, maybe a bit of a kernel of truth in what he says. And he started dating mm-hmm. this uh, new partner, a new woman, and she mentions the fact that her dad passed away a few years ago and is looking for sympathy. And he just sort of says. Yeah, I'm not going to give you any sympathy. The sorry window has closed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was two years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, but I remember I saw that clip like right after my dad died. And, you know, I couldn't stop laughing. And, mm. you know, maybe that's just part of the, the bizarreness of, of grieving. And uh, We definitely have a dark humor when we're oh, yeah. uh, in, in the grief club. <laughs> big time, big time. And yeah, and I, I think my dad in general was a really, you know, darkly he very darkly funny very he was a very cynical guy he worked in journalism yeah. um but so maybe that's something i just picked up from him and you know even now when i i can still laugh about that or at the time right after you know he died and i was laughing at this clip i i kind of felt you know his spirit i was like yeah. i know dad would want me to it. laugh about this so <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> um so then how do you cope now then like you're being you're so far away from your family and I know that a lot of us, like myself included, I feel a lot closer to my mum when I'm with her family. You know, it's that kind of connection, the bond. And um, even now with my dad, I, I moved out from his house uh, last year, but I still have, I only live about a mile and a half down the road from him at the moment, but I still have that guilt that he's on his own. So how do you cope with being so far away from your mum and the rest of your dad's family? That's that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I I mean, I think like maybe most expats or, or people you know who live any distance away from immediate family. I, I just I really try my best to 
you know, call every week, call as often as I can, just stay in touch as, as much as I can. Um, but it does feel like it's impossible to escape. It's impossible to escape this guilt. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many times someone says, you have to go off and live your own life. You have to go off and do your own thing. Um, yeah, I, I found that, you know, as the years have gone by, it maybe I'm feeling it in less acute away as I did, you know, when it, when my dad had first passed away, but um, yeah, there, there's really no escaping it. Um, and I, I, so I just do my best to stay in contact with them as much as I can. You know, I, even if my brother's not, <laughs> not immediately responding to me because of, uh, you know, time difference, I'll, I'll still yeah. you know, bug him enough. I'll send him enough messages over WhatsApp or something and be like, come on, you have to talk to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I just try to do that. And I, I think the fact that I'm here in Hong Kong with my partner as well is, has really helped. And especially over the last mm-hmm. year with, you know, the pandemic. And um, I think that's really refocused my own priorities as well. You know, it's, it, it's brought the memories of being away from my dad back into focus and, you know, just now being um, unable to go back home for a visit. And I think anybody listening to this would be able to sympathize with that, just being unable to see family. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Yeah. It's definitely how how I feel right now. My um, my brother lives in in Wales, and you're not allowed to go there <laughs> at the moment. Um, you might as well have, be in Hong I, Kong. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally, what it feels like. And he's um he's a policeman, and he's got two kids. And I have one of them was born last February. He's turning one soon, and I've only seen him twice since he was born. And I am very close with my family. I find it very difficult. Um. And yeah, because he's a policeman as well. Like I haven't spoken to them now since Christmas because he's always on shifts and then he's balancing kids. And it's just, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people listening can definitely sympathize. There are a lot of expats as well listening, you know, people in Australia and stuff who can't come back to the UK and see their family. And I think, you know, when you've lost somebody, it it does just really highlight the fact that they could go, they could be gone at any moment. And you really learn to take advantage of the time that you get with people and the fact that that's been taken away from us. It's like, Oh, like I need to make more memories with these people and I need to appreciate their presence more. And I can't do that right now. It's very frustrating. And it it does feel like that, that drives its own anxiety in a sense. I mean, I, Mm. I, I found that, you know, at least before the pandemic, every time I went home, I was, you know, maybe anybody going home to visit would do this as well, but I was, you know, rushing around. Like I had, packing every hour of time like need to go see my mom need to go see my aunts need to go see you know my grandmother whoever Um, and you know I don't know maybe part of that is just living overseas and and needing to make up for the time that I'm away from home but at the same time it's also maybe informed by the loss of my dad and other people in my family and Mm -hmm. you know knowing that time is limited and yeah you need to make the most of it but it is kind of stressful at the same time it's a blessing yeah but it's stressful like I'm glad that we've had the realization that we have to value the time that we get with people but also like how do I fit that many people in in such a short space of time absolutely absolutely um yeah yeah it's 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 bizarre (laughs) so now that you're you know obviously over four years down the line from your grief and you know you're still and you always will feel the effects of this loss. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned about grief and how it impacts your life? Um, I know this isn't 
groundbreaking insight or anything so <laughs> i have to apologize in advance for that um but you know just the fact that it's it's non-linear um the fact that it really you know uh, you're not going to cry for a month or two and then every everything gets better the light is at the end of the tunnel i mean there are days maybe right after your parent has died when you feel like you need to go out and see friends and go have a laugh and go for a drink or something and you know you feel guilty about that um, and then a few days later you're obviously at home crying and uh it's mm-hmm. just the non non-linearity i don't know if that's a word but i'm gonna yeah. say it's a word um, <laughs> definitely makes sense <laughs> sure um but yeah just that and i i had seen that with you know my aunt was the caregiver for both of her parents as well and i i've been really lucky to have connected with her and and my uncle um you know both of them looked after my grandparents um, and my father as well, um, just connecting over what it's like being a caregiver. And mm. she was able to say to me, look, grief is not going to just show up. It's not just going to go away after a year or two. It's, yes. you know, it's going to keep coming back in weird and weird ways that don't necessarily make sense. Um, but it wasn't really till I started experiencing that myself that I, I really, really understood that. Um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, obviously there, there are the, the big days that, you know, are, are kind of triggers, you know, whether that's my dad's birthday or Father's Day, which, you know, I, I hate with a passion, but I don't, I don't, I try not to take that out on, other, you know, I'm not taking that out on other people. I mean, I'm happy people still have family. We've all been there. It's, it's Mother's Day soon. Oh, and God. I'm already yeah. angry. Right. Oh, no. Um, yeah. It, it, but there's also little days as well. I mean, just little things. And, you know, as I was saying before, you know, my dad was this, he worked in journalism and he was, a little too cynical sometimes, but very cynical guy. And we always bonded over just the general craziness of the world. And, you know, the last like four years of everything happening in the world, I've just wanted to call him up every day and be like, what the hell is this? What, the, you know, what is going on yeah. here? And yeah. I just haven't had that outlet. Um, and so I've, I've tried to connect over memories like that with my, with my younger brother, for example, you know, I'll call him up oh, and lovely. say, you know, just imagine what dad would say about situation X, <laughs> Y, or Z. And um, so that, that's that been something that's helped quite a lot. And mm, that's my favorite thing to do. Like when something happens and I say, I've got family around me and I'm like, oh, mum would love this. Yeah. So mum would really love that. Like it's nice to remember the things that they actually love to do as well and to like really relish in those like mem- moments and memories. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is really nice. And I, I've seen that um, in the last few years. My, you know, my younger brother has, has just thrown himself into like classical literature when he wasn't, you know, much of a big reader before. And, um, my dad was just a very avid reader. And, uh, so, you know, he and I have connected over that and I've been like, you know, dad Mm -hmm. would love this. The fact that you've just really thrown yourself into, you know, all the books, like, cause he inherited a lot of the books from my dad. And uh, I was saying, dad would love the fact that you're just really throwing yourself into, you know, whatever Russian literature that he used to like. And, you know, just just random things like that. I'm like, this is it's it's really beautiful. So, yeah, and it's how they live on, isn't it? You know, they that's you need to find the things that like makes them live on with you, rather than you know, not everything has to die when they die, does it? So, yeah, I think that's beautiful. Absolutely, and and I, and the other thing I guess that's that's come to mind over the last few years is, you know, not just focusing on the period when they were sick or dying um, because. Mm-hmm. You know, in the aftermath, it's hard it, just, to do that. <laughs> it, it is absolutely, um, mm. but I, I have found that it—I've been able to remember more. 
I don't know, memories from before he was sick or memories, you know, in, in that brief interlude when his cancer was in remission. I remember like it was the healthiest I'd seen him in a long time. And just, he was just full of energy. And I'm able to remember moments like that much more clearly now that there has been a few years since his passing, you know, my mind doesn't immediately go to, you know, the day he died. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that, that's, that's been really nice. Um, and yeah. yeah. That's lovely. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, what would you say then to other people who have experienced a similar loss so you know they were a caregiver and now they're perhaps living away from home and you know just kind of struggling with that kind of difference in in life I suppose yeah uh I suppose the grief doesn't it will come with you um Mm. I mean having physical space can help so you know in my case after my dad died I needed to get out of Toronto. I needed to get out of Canada. Um, and that's part of what, what took me to Hong Kong. Um, and, and to be honest with you, that really helped. Um, but at the same time, my grief was there with me. And, mm. you know, it, it's going to come with you. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, this this is kind of a tough one. I, I, I guess what I would say is that- question. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's a big question. I feel like I should have, you know, some more answers even four years down, and maybe that's a, like. A I of- I struggle with it. I I think that yeah, you know, that in itself says a lot. It's hard. It's such a hard question to answer. And, and that that's kind of it too. I was about to say like maybe that's a bit of insight into itself. Like it has been four mm. four and a half years since he's been gone, and it's hard to make sense of it, and it's hard to even give advice beyond you know, treat yourself kindly and understand that grief isn't linear. Um, you know, uh, you also need, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that's part of it. Cause I, I, I remember like a day or two after he died, I went to like a karaoke night at a bar with some friends and I had a nice time for half of it. And then halfway through, I was thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Like, why, <laughs> why am I here? You know, why aren't I, <laughs> my dad just died yeah that's exactly it and i remember saying that to my friend i'm like you know and my friend was just finished belting out some david bowie and i thought why why are we doing this why am i here um but you know the truth is you do need to treat yourself and understand that you need to cool off i guess after Mm -hmm. uh, a period of such intense pressure and i think especially with being a caregiver you are just required to be firing on all cylinders at all times. You have no time to process anything. Yeah. Um, Very intense. Yeah. And yeah, just, just truly mm. treat yourself. I guess that's, that's one, one piece of advice I can give a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget about yourself. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for your time. Um, it's been a really, it's been a really lovely conversation and you've, I don't want to say this in a patronizing way, but you've handled it really well. Um, Thanks. It is, it is intense, especially if you don't talk about it very often with a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I do really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help 
whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well. Coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.